I'm glad you're joining us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. I'm host Carrie Freeman coming to you from Atlanta in May of 2022. Today, we're going to be talking about an important new international treaty for animal welfare and pandemic protection, prevention. It's called the Convention on Animal Protection, found at the website conventiononanimalprotection.org. This is a draft of a treaty prepared by lawyers for the Convention on Animal Protection, following the passage of a resolution on animal protection by the American Bar Association House of Delegates in February 2021. Here to tell us about this is Dr. Raj Reddy, who is a director and faculty member at Lewis and Clark Law School. Let me tell you about the lawyers for the Convention on Animal Protection, of which Dr. Reddy is a member. The team of international law practitioners and academics came together in March of 2020 in an effort to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. The team are members of the International Animal Law Committee of the American Bar Association's Section on International Law and worked to pass Resolution 101C before the Bar Association House of Delegates. This resolution, quote, urges all nations to negotiate an international convention for the protection of animals that establishes standards for the proper care and treatment of all animals to protect public health, the environment, and animal well-being, unquote. Here to tell us about that international convention document they drafted is Dr. Raj Reddy. He directs the Global Animal Law and Animal Law Advanced Degree Programs at the Center for Animal Law Studies at Lewis and Clark Law School. Outside of Lewis and Clark, he chairs the International Subcommittee of the Animal Law Section of the American Bar Association and serves as a board member for Minding Animals International. He's advanced human and non-human animal interests as part of his work for the Animal Legal Defense Fund and the Human Rights Law Network in New Delhi, India. Dr. Reddy earned his law degree from Lewis and Clark Law School and his PhD from the University of Georgia where his dissertation scrutinized the representation of human and non-human animals in post-colonial literature and rights discourse. Welcome, Dr. Reddy. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Freeman. Uh, we first met at Minding Animals Conference in Mexico City about five years ago, and I was fascinated that someone would get a law degree and then go on to also get a PhD, since I just had a PhD, got a PhD and thought that's enough. So anyway, I'm just, you know, I'm impressed with that, but I also tease you about it. So do you have any more degrees planned in your future? Oh, no, that was the last one as far as I'm concerned. So who knows? Who knows what the future will bring? Yeah, I think you've got enough to keep you busy graduating all these animal lawyers and promoting diversity and promoting this animal welfare tree. So uh, let's get started talking about that. Let me start by saying that it seems like a big deal that the American Bar Association, an organization that typically focuses on human-only issues, passed a resolution in 2021 acknowledging the need for a global animal welfare treaty to provide standards of care for non-human animals for public health reasons, but they say it's also for environmental reasons and animal welfare reasons too. So not just solely to protect humans. Do you think this represents a big step forward for the American legal community in acknowledging the rights and interests of fellow animals? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what was really interesting about that moment in time um, we had started talking about, you know, um, the need for an animal protection agreement internationally right around the time that the pandemic hit. So actually March in 2020, we we're actually hosting um, a presentation by uh, Professor David Faber, who had been working on um, this need for an animal protection agreement internationally uh, since the 1980s. Mm -hmm. And um, 
that was again the the month that um, the coronavirus hit uh, American shores, and at the time, all of the evidence pointed to this having a, a zoonotic origin, an animal origin, and we thought, you know, with everything that the pandemic was was doing um, internationally, shutting down borders, um, requiring people to wear masks. Um, um, you know, putting people in, in the hospital, the loss of, of loved ones, was this the moment that we could convince the, the public at large or states to really appreciate the connection between the way we treat animals and the impact on ourselves? And so the American Bar Association historically hasn't been um, receptive to are openly receptive to um, a lot of animal-based um, advocacy measures. But again, this was, this was the moment where we could um, indicate or make this, this very clear um, and sort of home felt argument to uh, members of the American Bar Association that protecting your clients and your interests requires you to protect the interests of animals and that we have to do this on an international scale. And I, that kind of relates to my question about One Health, because I know this Convention on Animal Protection is also motivated by the quote-unquote One Health concept um, that notes our interdependence with all other planetary beings. As an animal advocate, can you briefly explain the One Health concept and its importance in like a policy setting? Sure. And, you know, the One Health concept has been around for, for decades, actually. And what it, what it what the paradigm basically attests to is that um, human health, animal health, and environmental health are inextricably intertwined. And so if you want to protect the interests of humans, you have to ensure that they are living in an environment that's conducive to human health. And you have to ensure that um, the health of animals is also attended to because um, something on the order of 75% of diseases that affect us are non-human animal based um, in origin. And so if you don't attend to, you know, all of these three spheres, um, if you silo them, yeah. you're really, you know, visiting harm upon all three um, sort of uh, arenas and um, hence to, to humans. Yeah. So we need to take a holistic approach to everything we do and not, as you say, kind of silo just the environment or just animals or, or just humans. Now let's talk about the first draft of the Convention of Animal Protection document that you and other legal team members drafted. What's the purpose of it or what does it seek to achieve? Yeah, and you know, we had actually, so with regard to our, our work with the ABA and the ABA having passed that resolution calling for um, all nations to negotiate an international protection for the, um, International Agreement for the Protection of Animals, that was in Mar March of 2021, which was the exact same month that the World Health Organization issued this clarion call to all states mm -hmm. um, calling for an international pandemic treaty. Perfect. And so um, we wanted to sort of transition from, okay, we've gotten the ABA to, to recognize um, that the reasons why we need an animal protection agreement to prevent pandemics. And so that was really the foundation for our, our particular convention. So the International Convention for the Protection of, of, of Animals. Um, and what, the, what, that, what that framework does, the CAP does is 
identify the relationship between animal health and human health, and then also um, observe that animals are sentient beings. They have inherent worth and that their interests have to be conceived of and protected you know, broadly. And that when we're considering um, their protections, we have to do so through this, this larger, this more holistic one health approach. And that everything that we're doing to protect animals is going to hew to our benefits. And that these, um, that these protections are complex in nature, that they have cultural, social, religious, political, economic, and other sort of contours um, that have to be attended to in order for states to um, come together and you know, fall into or um, embrace or ratify an international um, agreement on, on their protection. And since you're mentioning ratification, who is supposed to ratify or accept this Convention on Animal Protection Treaty so that it has any kind of legal authority and influence over policymaking? And it would essentially be all states and intergovernmental agencies. Um, so, um, you know, the United States, China, Brazil, India, any state could be um, a party to um, the Convention on Animal Protection, um, as could entities like the World Health Organization or the Food and Agricultural Organization. So any entity that has an international um, presence or international um, uh, body could be um, a, a party to the treaty. And can you tell us briefly what categories of animals the Convention on Animal Protection covers? Is it kind of all animals? <laughs> It is. Um, and the way that the convention works um, in its current draft is that it, it provides for um, or it requires states to adopt it insofar as uh, or for the purposes of pandemic prevention. And, you know, almost any non-human animal can be a, a reservoir for a virus or a pathogen that could either jump into another animal or jump directly into humans. And so we have to attend to um, their protections, their preserve their habitats, um, ensure that um, their welfare is accounted for in a number of, of different, um, different arenas. But the, the CAP also contemplates additional protocols. And so outside of the context of zoonotics, states can come together and say, you know, we no longer feel that it is necessary or even appropriate to be using animals for cosmetic testing, or we don't think it's appropriate anymore to be conducting whaling. And so states who um, are additionally concerned about these other areas of animal use and exploitation, they can, they can join and create additional protocols that are basically sub-treaties within the treaties. And so um, the Convention on Animal Protection theoretically, you know, covers all animals. It really depends on um, what states sort of bring to it. Yeah, it can be a starting point. Now, in reading the treaty, um, and if people want to read it, it's at the convention on animalprotection.org. I like that the treaty starts with these fundamental principles. And can you, would you mind reading those to us? There's six of them. Sure, absolutely. Um, the first one is humans and animals coexist within an interdependent ecosystem. Humans and animals share an evolutionary heritage. Humans have an ethical obligation to act responsibly towards animals. Second, as sentient beings, animals have an intrinsic value. 
no animal should be killed unnecessarily or be subjected to cruel acts or to unnecessary suffering. Three, when humans have control over specific animals, they then have a positive obligation to ensure their well-being by providing them with a suitable environment and care that is appropriate for their species. Fourth, the global health of humankind requires careful regulation of the taking, control, transportation, and keeping of wild animal species that are natural primary reservoirs of novel viruses and other pathogens, as well as those animals who can act as intermediate hosts of those pathogens that may spill over to humans. Fifth, that subjecting animals to physical, mental, and environmental stress increases their susceptibility to contracting and thus transmitting disease. And sixth and finally, animals are an integral part of the natural environment and that the protection of animals and their habitat is an integral component to the broader concepts of environmental protection and, and conservation. It was really hard for me not to like clap and snap after <laughs> each one of those. Uh, uh, would you like to highlight anything about those principles? I think they're fantastic. Yeah, you know, I, we've spoken a little bit about um, the this increasing recognition um, by environmentalists, healthcare experts, and states with regard to the fact that we are, you know, coexistent with and interdependent um, or dependent upon um, the the health of of animals for our own health and well being, and that there is this kinship among us, and that's you know not just you know this moral kinship, but also this evolutionary kinship, yeah. um, this this biological kinship, which is precisely the reason why you know these viruses and other pathogens jump from not human to human animals because we are right. all animals and we have this 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 biological um, heritage and also you know a number of states now um, both states you know speaking internationally but also here in the United States um, for example Oregon we have increasingly are we increasingly seeing legislatures um, formally recognize or enshrine in law that animals are sentient, that they have um, these cognitive and emotional um, capacities that, that require us to attend to different, um, different interests that they have, and not just you know, preventing harms to them, but also these sort of positive obligations, which is really, you know, has taken off in the past five to, to seven years. And um, we wanted the CAP to be, you know, very much conversant with that. I like that. So it's not just the quote unquote negative rights to leave them alone, but it's also the quote unquote positive rights to care for them or include them in decision-making um, in terms of speaking on their behalf. You know, that's great. And I'm particularly struck by the second principle in those fundamental principles on the Convention on Animal Protection that says, as sentient beings, animals have intrinsic value. No animal should be killed unnecessarily or be subjected to cruel acts or to unnecessary suffering. And most current policies may agree that animals are sentient and, and thus we shouldn't inflict unnecessary suffering on them or be cruel because that's the general animal welfare view that a lot of cultures take, but they don't, a lot of the policies don't tend to say that animals have intrinsic or inherent value and should not be unnecessarily killed. So is that a significant addition to the treaty 
I mean, I guess I don't read a ton of treaties, but I the fact that it mentioned they shouldn't be unnecessarily killed seems important to me. Yeah, you know, especially in the context of um, zoonotics and zoonotic diseases, and because you know this draft of of the caps focuses so heavily on um, the on the pandemic and the fact that you know seventy five percent or so of of diseases that affect us are um, non human animal in origin, um, the cap wants to you know, disinclined states from saying, okay, we've identified a particular species here that is a natural reservoir for a particular virus that history has shown can jump into humans, but we don't want the cap to be um, basically paving the way for the eradication of that particular yeah, like um, community the of species. Or something. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, which are, which are um, you know, reservoirs for a lot of corona and, and other viruses. And so, um, you know, really focusing on what the treaty could do, but also what the treaty could uh, unintentionally do with regard to the health and well-being and protection of, of animals. And so, um, yeah, I wanted to be very careful to disincline states from seeing the cap as encouraging um, basically eradication of, of species with, which would obviously have, you know, environmental and, and habitat um, implications. And it's another thing that we, we can't afford. Right. And I mean, I'll just put my own little comment in there that what is considered necessary killing is certainly up for debate, right? Because as killing anyone for food in a society where we have other healthy foods to eat, then, you know, that can make animal killing unnecessary. But that also can be negotiated within each state about what they think is necessary or unnecessary killing. But my own personal (laughs) conclusion and why I've chosen to be vegan is because I don't need to you know, kill animals. And so hopefully that's something that other people would consider as well. If you're just joining us on Radio Free Georgia, this is In Tune to Nature. I'm host Carrie Freeman talking with Dr. Raj Reddy, Director of Animal Law at Lewis and Clark Law School, about a proposed animal welfare treaty in response to the pandemic called the Convention on Animal Protection, drafted by a team of international law practitioners. People can read the treaty if they're interested at the website conventiononanimalprotection.org. Dr. Reddy, with the few minutes we have left, what provisions in the Convention on Animal Protection Treaty are particularly meant to help prevent pandemics and how so? Yeah, and so the CAP looks at um, wildlife um, consumption, for example, and not just um, the, the, the act of consuming wildlife, but, um, or let me take a step back and say, the first, um, the primary article that, that tackles um, um, zoonotics focuses on um, the creation of uh, an annex of species that are known to be reservoirs of particular viruses or pathogens. And so states would prohibit their, um, their citizens from either farming or, um, or capturing those specific species and selling them in markets. Additionally, the cap would require states to separate or isolate species um, in addition to or on top of that. So even mm-hmm. if a species like a, a bat species, um, a horseshoe bat, isn't, isn't allowed to be traded um, or consumed, um, but another type of bat or uh, a pangolin or whatever the case may be is, 
but those animals should be kept separately and apart from, from other animals. And in addition to that, um, the, the welfare um, of those animals should also be attended to, because it's not just that these animals are in close proximity to one another, but that you know, they're often found in, in states of, um, of suffering, dehydration, of malnourishment. Yeah. yeah, and especially if they're caught from the wild, um, they might be, um, they might have physical or other injuries. And, you know, that's the wildlife context, but also um, the CAP looks at um, uh, keeping, you know, agricultural animals um, apart from wildlife. And so wherever we do see um, uh, either factory farms or maybe more sort of rural farming practices or in our um our rural farming communities to make sure that there are buffer zones between um the the animals who are who are grown and are so biologically similar to one another that if a virus is able to or other pathogen is able to infect one of those animals who again are in very close proximity to one another that they're so genetically identical that that virus or pathogen won't have any issue sort of spreading amongst those agricultural animals who are basically amplifier species at that point and who have this close contact with the farmers and, and other folks who, who raise them. And so those are just a couple of examples, but there are a number of other, um, other examples in, in the cap, like making sure that during transport that animals are kept isolated or that- um, Like from different uh, species, you mean? from different species yeah. and that you know their health and well-being during that moment yeah. of transport it could be you know five hours 10 hours 15 hours that their welfare is attended to for the same same reasons that we don't want to put these additional stressors on them and there are also um, some provisions related to companion animals and um, attentive uh, the attention that we need to pay to um, their their health and well-being and to ensure that they are sort of kept apart from um, other wildlife species. And, it, and really, you know, some of these, some of the distinctions between animals under human control and those who are wildlife um, is meant to create a little bit of a buffer zone between the animals whom we're in direct contact with often and those whom we're not or shouldn't be. And what is the next step for the Convention on Animal Protection? We just have a few minutes left, but I know that you're going to be working on even making improvements. Yeah, so um, we released the first draft of the Convention for Animal Protection um, in the summer of 2021, left it open um, for, for public comment. And we received a number of really helpful comments um, from experts in the, the health, um, animal and environmental sort of spheres. And we've taken all of those comments and now we're in the process of revising the CAP and so its second draft should be made available to the public again um, in summer of 2022, so this summer. Well, that's great. So we'll have to have you back on Intuned in Nature to talk more about the second draft and then what we can do to, to move forward with that. But, but my last question also is kind of activist oriented. For listeners who are interested in helping to promote the passage of this Convention on Animal Protection Treaty, uh, like maybe in their own nation, like what, what could they do? Yeah, I think right now the most important thing is to, I think we're all a little tired of the pandemic, you know. Um, Just a little bit, but, yeah. Yeah, but you know, 
what experts are saying is that pandemics like these are going to be happening every seven to 10 years now, and it's only going to get worse with climate change and with our use of um, animals in factory farming settings and really calling to attention um, or reminding um, friends, family, politicians that we need to be working on um, protections for animals so that we don't allow this to happen again or that it won't happen so frequently. So it's not a one in every 10 years, but maybe it's a once in every 80 or 100 year um, um, thing. And until then, you know, there's, until we address the way that we use animals, that this is just going to be a recurring thing. And yeah, like if we just continue business as usual and hope to have a bunch of vaccines, we're just going to keep having these zoonotic diseases. Um, when we actually know a lot of the solutions are also environmentally sound solutions mm -hmm. and they're animal rights oriented solutions, like eating plant based and ending the trade in wildlife animal bodies, preserving their habitats. So these are all you know, great solutions that we need to do anyway for the climate crisis and biodiversity and public health. So like, hopefully your convention on animal protection just highlights kind of with that one health initiative that all of these things make so much sense. So we, we should not go back, you know, to business as usual with animal exploitation. Um, and, you know, cause we don't have to accept that th there's just going to be pandemic after pandemic. Um, so well, that's the end of our show, but I want to thank you, Dr. Raj Reddy, for being with us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program, and thank you for the work you do in the legal field to advocate for the rights and interests of human and non-human animals. Thank you so much, Dr. Freeman. It's been a joy being here with you. Take care. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to In Tune to Nature, broadcasting every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, online at wrfg.org and on Atlanta radio station 89.3 FM. We post action items, news, and podcasts on the show's website, facebook.com slash Nature. Views and opinions expressed on the show do not necessarily reflect those of WRFG, its board staff, or volunteers. I'm one of those volunteers. I'm host Carrie Freeman asking you to please support independent non-commercial media like Radio Free Georgia. And remember to take care of yourself and others, including other species. That's the One Health concept. Thank you for listening. Cheers. <laughs>